Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook, the podcast where Kevin and I share our 5Bs framework that shows you how to create demand step by step. Today, we're continuing to discuss dealing with scale. Following on from last week's episode, it's all about building a team, looking at the tools and operations that you need to lead a successful marketing function. A reminder that we don't purport to be experts here. In fact, we're learning a lot in our own careers as we move through different stages, but we definitely have a lot of practical guidance for our listeners here. Kev, Kev, tell us a little bit more about where we're up to in this season of the B2B Playbook. Well, this season, listeners, we're at Be The Best, the fifth and final B of our 5Bs framework. This podcast is all about our step-by-step evergreen framework, the 5Bs. And that comprises of be ready, be helpful, be seen, be better, and be the best. And in talking about be the best this season, we're talking about all things that make you and your marketing stay evergreen and continue to be leaders in your industry. In doing so, we also hope that you start to see the 5Bs framework as a circular process that continues to deliver improvements both for businesses and for your own careers. As George said, we're continuing that discussion about scale today and talking about how you can better deal with scale. Last week, we talked about how to build a team, how to deal with freelancers and in-house teams alike. And then we quickly ran out of time as we realized how much more there was to cover. So this week, we're continuing that discussion by talking about the tools, operations, and processes that you need to put in place, um, those other aspects of building a successful scaling marketing function. 
In particular, we'd like to remind you that our bottom line philosophy here is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it is broke, please don't leave it for too long. All right, Kev. Well, look, as you said, last week we spoke about the importance of dealing with scale. And also we shared some of our own insights on building a team and working with freelancers and agencies. And we shared a lot of our own experiences there. So go back and give that a listen if you haven't already. I'm sure there's a lot that you can identify with. And hopefully Kevin and I have presented a bit of a path forward for you guys there. Now this week, we're going to look at sorting out your marketing stack, marketing operations and data management and cross-functional collaboration. So let's dive right back into it, Kevin. All right, well, the first thing to look at is sorting out your marketing stack. And we spoke a fair bit about this actually already in a previous episode in Be Better, so the last stage of the 5Bs framework. So we won't go into all the nitty-gritty of that in too much detail. Make sure to go back and check out that episode for all the details. But it's safe to say that it's something that really you need to continue to turn your attention to as you scale and as you start to notice things break. So for example, when we were agency side, it really came to a point where we needed that better reporting than those that we've wrangled together in Excel or Google Sheets. So we started to invest a little bit more time developing automated dashboards in Looker Studio. At the time, it was called Google Data Studio. And even automating some of that to connect the slides we use for presentations such as QBRs and monthly meetings. And we even mixed in working with clients who had different things like Tableau to develop their own custom dashboards that reconnected into our data sources as well. And this really allowed us to get the data that we needed much quicker when we needed to start doing regular meetings and regular analysis for those QBR type sessions. A similar use case in a previous role of mine is we implemented dashboards in Heap and a CDP segment in that particular case to better utilize the data that we were in fact collecting already. So in that case, we were constantly reviewing business needs and client needs to develop the marketing stack. We added tools or we upgraded tools as the market dictated, as the business dictated. And that really helped us to connect the data from day-to-day actions of the dream customers that we had to gain those insights that we needed to understand the whole customer journey and the bottlenecks to prioritize working on. So there's a lot of similar cases out there where as you scale, your initial tech stack that you set up maybe it's starting to break in certain places. Maybe it doesn't handle the integrations as well. There isn't an integration between two platforms you like to use or things start to break along the way that doesn't allow you to use your data as effectively. So make sure to reflect on that, to reflect on what your dream customers need. Again, it's another area where you let your dream customers guide you. It's worth employing a new tool if it better services your customers. That's the bottom line. That's how you decide whether you need to improve certain aspects of your tech stack. I think it's even worth, Kevin, our listeners, you know, every six months just penciling in a time to review their tech stack and look at what return they're getting from, you know, each of it. Are they actually using the features that they purchased that marketing technology for in the first place? And if so, is the use of those features, you know, helping drive the bottom line further or is it providing more value to your dream customers? These are the questions that you need to ask yourselves. You know, often we can run so much more leaner and more efficiently when we have less tools to lean on. So just pencil that in in the diary and review every six to 12 months. And Kev, you're absolutely right. You know, let let your dream customers guide you. If you are servicing clients and, you know, your reporting is key, 
Kev, you and I found that sometimes we would just information overload our clients. We thought that they wanted granular, detailed information on, you know, exactly how marketing performance went every single day. And it was just so overwhelming for them. At the end of the day, like all they cared about was how much money did we spend and how much money did we make? That's all they care about. And then they wanted to see as well that you had a plan to keep improving that. That's all they really cared about. Yeah, 100%, George. I think so many stories like that with the marketing stack is maybe a little bit more complicated than you need it to be or it isn't quite where it needs to be. And just because you're out of touch with what is the best way to service your dream customers because there isn't that guiding principle in place. So we really encourage you to keep that in mind like all other things when you're looking at a tech stack. Don't get too bogged down in all the great technical features that a particular platform might have, how easy it would make for your team to do a particular thing. Sure, that's important, but the most important thing is it going to have a good impact for your final dream customers and their journey into discovering your product or service. And then... Once you've made that call, ruthlessly apply the 80-20 principle to cut out what you don't need, to hone in on the stuff that you do need, and even consider principles like the sunk cost principle. It might have only been six months or three months since you implemented something, but if it doesn't deliver what you promised, if it doesn't deliver what you promised your dream customers, then you need to make a move. It's easier to do that early on, to move on to the next thing and to find the fit quicker. It's usually more cost-effective to do that than it is to hang on and pray that a tool will eventually get better or you can eventually work out how to best implement it. There's probably another tool out there that's better suited to your needs. Yeah, don't just keep doing things because that's the way they've always been done. A friend of mine, his dad would go to the beach every single morning for 40 years and after going for a cold ocean swim would scull two liters of orange juice. When asked why, he said that's because that was his father. That's what his father always did. He eventually stopped that behavior once the doctors told him that all of that orange juice every morning was terrible for his the acid <laughs> levels in his stomach and was basically destroying him. But look, just question what you're doing. You know, measure the outcomes. And as Kevin said, don't just do things for the sake of it. Make sure there's a tangible outcome. All right, Kev, tell us a bit about marketing operations and data management. That's something you're pretty into. Yeah, so on a related note to what we were talking about earlier with the marketing tech stack, when it comes to marketing operations and data management, as you scale, the amount of data that we have naturally grows. And things like privacy and the changes in the marketing landscape, all those things start to become increasingly more important, particularly as you're utilizing all that great first-party data that you're now collecting. As one extreme example from anecdotal and first-hand experience, a lot of personalized targeting capabilities based on interests have become a lot less accurate and effective within Meta because of those changes in privacy. And it looks like TikTok is moving in that direction too, to a certain extent. So your first-party data and its accuracy is really becoming increasingly important when your Real true performance driving channels becoming less and less effective and less accurate. You need to rely on your first party data and then build audiences out from there as tightly as possible. But in ensuring this is the case, you may need to put in better tracking or better privacy and data management processes to ensure that the use of that first party data that you're collecting and utilizing 
is correct is by the rules. And this is an area that as former lawyers certainly worries us a lot. Most of the cases we come across really don't do enough to consider and safeguard against potential privacy and cybersecurity issues. And we've seen that time and again with Meta's public cases on the matter and with all these privacy concerns that are often in the media. When there's more and more data that we're collecting and there's more and more reliance on our own data, you really have to turn your attention to looking at those potential privacy and cybersecurity issues. Now, we're not experts. We're not giving legal advice here. We don't have our licenses, and that's the usual legal disclaimer here in this setting. But we highly recommend you review these matters and look to engage your internal tech team and legal teams to conduct a thorough audit and make sure that everything that should be in place is in place. Consider and question things like, how's your privacy policy? Does that give you a right to use the data that you collect? Are your users giving their consent? And is that obtained correctly and documented correctly? So get ahead here. If you're in Australia or US, get ahead here and be GDPR compliant. Although that's very much relevant to the European region, compliance with something like that will become much more of an industry standard. We see movements in that space in Australia as well, and maybe a little longer in the US, not sure, but definitely in Australia, we're definitely moving in that direction as well. So if you get ahead of that, become GDPR compliant across the board, it'll be a lot better for your business when that does roll out here as well. And because much of the industry foresees something similar extending across all the different platforms, it just helps to be ahead of the game. At least get the team to have two-factor authentication in place for the platforms that you use. That's the least you can do when when you're looking at cybersecurity then. And really consider, is cybersecurity insurance relevant for you? So for Australians, I'm sure we're all used to however many privacy breach news coverage that we've seen. Every big company seems to be hacked every other day. So we really need to be considering as potential business owners, as marketing departments in those businesses who actively use that data, are we putting the right cybersecurity protections in place? Again, we're not experts here, but these are issues that we turn our attention to as we come across businesses at these scaling points. And we just tick off in our head Do they have someone looking after this stuff? You know, when we request access for a particular first-party audience or we use our own first-party audience, is there a process? Has someone checked privacy policy? Can we actually use this? It's a quick mental check, maybe a quick message to your internal team, but even that is better than not doing anything at all and sweeping it under the rug, putting our heads in the sand and hoping that nothing bad comes of it. Just give that little check and peace of mind to yourself. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, It's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. 
Thank you, Kevin. Listeners, if like me, you just woke up from your micro sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Luke, no, no, no. Look, of things that I didn't think that we'd have to discuss on this podcast, but you're right, Kevin, we do. The legal ramifications of what we do in the marketing world are still important. So please actually do listen to Kevin. It is important to go through and make sure that you have all those checks in place. Kevin, Let's talk about cross-functional collaboration. And when I say that, of course, I mean that interaction between marketing and sales. You know, it's something that we've discussed a lot in the podcast. It's an issue that comes up time and time again for our listeners. And look, it's inevitable that as you scale, you're just going to need to work closely with sales if you're going to make an impact together. You don't want to be two separate teams. You want to work together to be one revenue team. Now, when this occurs, you want to make sure that you go through all our previous episodes on that topic to show you how to provide true value to the sales team and keep them interested. You know, you want to have those agreed objectives and metrics. You want to have shared reporting and regular alignment meetings where possible. These are going to go a long way to ensure that you guys are aligned in your efforts. So make sure you go and check that out. It probably is going to take some convincing to show them that you guys are there to support them. You know, sales often feel that marketing should be there in service of them. You know what? Let them think that. That's fine. But just provide guide rails. Show them that you're there to help them, that you're there to work on the same team. Don't let your ego get in the way. You know, you can do better together. And it's a great way to kick off that relationship to be the bigger person and just look at, okay, you know, how can I provide a strategy that helps them meet their needs now and work together goals that we both need to meet in the future? At the end of the day, as we said in those previous episodes, we're all part of the same funnel. We're all part of the same business driving towards the same goals. So we really should be practically aligned as well. Look at the same metrics, as George said, look at the same reporting. And that's just a step in the right direction. Be that bigger person, as George said, to begin with. And pretty quickly, your sales team will come around and they'll realize, hey, we're all part of the same team. We're all working for the same objectives. We're just divvying up the work. Let's be aligned. Let's work together. That's it, marketers. You guys should be deeply empathetic. It's all about getting in the heads of your dream customers, whoever it is, whatever stakeholder it is that you need to win over. Just insert yourself in the conversation that's already taking place in their own heads. Empathize with them. Start from that place of empathy and then work towards a strategy that serves both of you. And in talking about collaboration with other parts of the business, some of the other areas that you might need to learn how to work with are the technical teams or the C-suite. Now, we talked about C-suite already, but with tech teams, as you scale, you're going to be a lot more integrated with the work that they're doing. Maybe you need to build new processes to better access the data that they have and to influence their pipeline and their roadmap on the important things that are important for marketing as well as the rest of the business. And in a similar way to working with the sales team, get to know those teams' priorities, understand what success looks like for them, and then align your strategy accordingly. Often you'll find that we're all working towards the same things, just a different guise of those same things. So make sure that you align, make sure you come together and try and share as many metrics as possible. And that's particularly important for getting that initial buy-in, but ongoing buy-in as well. Because if you think about your technical teams, often that's where you'll get all your internal subject matter experts. You need them on your side. You need them with that buy-in to get that working relationship going. And on a personal experience example, we often found that marketing priorities 
are hard to get to on technical teams' priority lists. Whether that was working on agency side, we try and make some website changes and get the technical team in-house at a particular clients to make those changes, whether that's for tracking or CRO purposes. It was really hard to get our, our priorities on the list, even when the in-house marketing team called it out as an important priority for the business, for the marketing team, the technical team often had a disconnect. And that's the same in my own experience going in-house. A lot of the times, the marketing priorities seem to be lower down on the list, which is quite understandable because it's simply not on KRs. It's not on the priority list or the key performance metrics of the technical teams. But in getting some regular meetings in place with those technical teams, both in our example at a large client's business where we're agency side and in a previous in-house role of mine, we can help those technical teams better understand the importance and impact of some of our marketing initiatives and what else they had going on as well. So we could better align our priorities and then we could work in tandem and coming up with new priorities together, particularly with the senior leaders in those technical teams, or at least have a clearer timeline of when our marketing priorities and tasks that we've raised would likely be looked at. And then we can plan our activities accordingly. It doesn't generally have to be as frequent as those meetings with the sales team, obviously, just given the function is a little further down the track from the sales funnel. But it can still have a big impact in the medium to long term. So make sure you start to have those regular meetings with those technical teams as well. You're completely right, Kevin. It's funny how these teams, you know, they've got their day job to get on with. The technical team has to do their technical stuff. Sales has to do their thing. Leadership has to do their thing. And for some reason, no one has explained to the rest of the team that marketing is kind of the glue of all of that. You know, we have to take the strategy or the goals, objectives set by leadership. We then have to turn that into a strategy. We then have to convey that and work with the salespeople who are really the most customer facing. And then we've got to have a two-way relationship with that to get information from the customers via sales because often they're not going to let you in front of the customers themselves. The technical team, you know, you've got to rely on them for their subject matter expertise. They're the ones that are in there trying to make, you know, using the product actually better. Customer support, they're the ones who are feeding back all that information about what customers do and don't like of your product. And so, yeah, like we are going to need to work extremely cross-functionally, almost in a way that no other team in your organization will. And I think, as Kevin said, starting from that point of empathy, starting from that point of trying to help them do their jobs easier with whatever it is that you have access to, be it data or systems or whatever it might be, that's your end. That's your end to start developing a relationship and then try and weasel your way in to book a bit of their time and work together. Working together, very important listeners. All right, George, key takeaways for this episode. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it is broke, don't leave it for too long. And we should probably also add to that guiding principle to let your dream customers, as always, lead the way. And hopefully our examples in this episode and the previous episode have shown that if you do leave things for a little while, the problem only gets bigger. Second takeaway is as you scale your team and processes, be conscious that you're moving into management, into leadership, and away from technical work. Your priorities and attention should shift accordingly to best deliver for your team and for the business. Focus in on what those new duties involve. And finally, set up those regular meetings with your team 
external partners, other business functions, keeping your finger on the pulse is really half the battle here. Very good. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, listeners, as always, you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. And Kevin and I are so grateful that every week, more and more marketers tune in every Monday morning to the B2B Playbook. And if we could ask one thing, it would be to please pass the show onto someone who you think would get value from it. Also, check us out on YouTube. It's a huge help to us and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Catch you all next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. 